Welcome to Brookstone's Be The One podcast. I'm your host, Avery Wolf, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We have a very special guest today, Judge Ben Land. Judge Land is the first of our three distinguished alumni being honored this year to be interviewed on the podcast, and the other two will follow in the coming weeks. Judge Land was in private practice for over two decades before being appointed to serve as a Superior Court Judge in 2018, and then the Georgia Court of Appeals in 2020, where he continues to serve today. I'm so grateful he carved out time in his busy schedule to talk to us. It was such an honor. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Judge Land. Welcome, Judge Land, to the Be The One podcast. We're so glad you took the time to be here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. And I know your schedule is so busy, so I really do appreciate you carving out time to be here in person. My pleasure. Um, so you are one of our distinguished alumni this year. And um, I mean, what an honor. So yay for you. Well, thank you. I still find that a little hard to believe and <laughs> difficult to process. But yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be that and Good. pleased yes. to be here today. Well, you should be. It is a, a, a really competitive process. And we have over 3,000 alumni and we have a very small number who have been chosen for this honor, so it is indeed an honor. Well, I don't know and how I slipped beneath the radar, <laughs> but I appreciate I appreciate the recognition. Not true. You were chosen by your peers and go through a nomination process and a pretty strict committee, and so it is it is a really a big honor. Well, so. thank you. I'm honored, and this is a great place. It's produced a lot of really really outstanding graduates. So yes. I'm just pleased to be a representative. Well, good. Well, we are thrilled too. Um, so tell us for those. Who who don't know you, a little bit about who you are and your family and your relationship to Brookstone. Okay, so I'm Ben Land. I'm a lifelong resident of Columbus, mm -hmm. and I started at Brookstone, I think, in 1973. Wow. That'll tell you how yeah. old I am, <laughs> as a first grader. So okay. I was here from first through 12th, and I was one of four siblings, the youngest of four, oh. all of whom graduated from Brookstone. Wow. Wow. And so I was here through... 1985, graduated in, I guess, June of 1985, okay. and then went on to the University of Georgia mm -hmm. for my undergraduate education in business, mm -hmm. and then after that went to the University of Georgia Law School, Okay, came back to practice law in Columbus, and for 25 years, I moved literally about 10 feet from one office door <laughs> to the next. And thought I would stay there another 25, <laughs> but about five years ago, I left to become a Superior Court judge, I guess five mm -hmm. and a half years ago now. Wow, yeah. And did the Superior Court role for four and a half years, and I've been on the Court of Appeals uh, for a little over a year now. Okay, so all that's right. So my, that's my story. That's a short sort version. of my track. Yes, yeah. that's your track. But yes. I have a lot of Brookstone people in mm -hmm. my family, obviously, mm -hmm. with three other siblings, all of whom graduated here, and then I've got... Three children of my own who are graduates of Brookstone, yes. one in 2019 and mm -hmm. two in 2023. Yeah. And I have five nieces and nephews wow. who've graduated from wow. Brookstone. So your, your family ties around, run deep. Yeah, been around, <laughs> been around a while, and my family's been here a while. Oh, well, and we're all the better for it, for sure. But um, so you've seen Brookstone as a perspective as a parent and an alum and a student. So you've got the full picture. I have. Mm -hmm. I've seen it for 50 years. <laughs> it's changed a lot. It has changed it's, a lot. It's still educating students mm -hmm. really, really well yes. and instilling good Agreed. values in students. But Agreed. the campus is unbelievable, as you I well know. know, and it's, it really it's a really nice place to be. Yeah, I agree. Every day when I get to walk around it, I'm just amazed at it. Yeah. 
what a blessing it is to be here, how beautiful it is, and um, how great the students are. So right. love being here. Right. So tell me a little bit about your day-to-day as, as a, a judge on the Court of Appeals. So my day-to-day as a Court of Appeals judge is a lot different than my day-to-day as a Superior Court judge. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll start with the Superior Court role because I hadn't been out of that that long. But okay. as a Superior Court judge, every day of every week of every year <laughs> was pretty much accounted for, and mm-hmm. I was scheduled to be somewhere mm-hmm. to preside over hearings, to preside over jury trials, to mm-hmm. handle the matters that needed to be handled. Mm-hmm. And we literally had a calendar for the whole year, and right. I would be in one of our six counties pretty much every week mm-hmm. and on the bench most of the time presiding mm-hmm. over cases. And mm-hmm. when I say on the bench, that could be in Columbus down at the government center, mm-hmm. he- hearing lawyers argue cases, mm-hmm. Uh, or having jury trials or bench trials where the judge makes the final decision. Mm-hmm. It could be up in Hamilton and Harris County, down in Chattahoochee County and Casita, Buena mm-hmm. Vista and Marion County, mm-hmm. or out in uh, Taylor County in Butler. Okay. And I think I said Harris County, you but did. up in Harris yes. County and Hamilton as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was a busy life, and it mm-hmm. was fun. It was a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I liked the action of the trial work. I mm-hmm. liked being there as the lawyers were advocating their causes, and I loved jury trials. Mm-hmm. And so my days were really occupied uh, in a very busy way as a Superior Court judge every day. Mm-hmm. Transition to the Court of Appeals in Atlanta. Our chambers are in Atlanta, and okay. my courthouse is now in Atlanta. Okay, and didn't know that. There's 15 of us on the Court of Appeals, okay. and we're all statewide uh, judges, meaning mm-hmm. we handle appeals from superior courts or state courts or other courts around the state uh, on a statewide basis. So one day I may be hearing a case arising out of Columbus, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. I may be hearing a case arising out of Jessup or Brunswick or... Okay. Hey, Hira, or wherever, <laughs> it, wherever it may be, and uh, it's a lot different. It's mm-hmm. a lot quieter. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy the the mental exercise that takes place as we review all of these trials and all of these hearings and all of these mm-hmm. decisions mm-hmm. that have been reached around the state. But it's more of a, uh, I guess, more of a quiet existence at mm-hmm. the Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. You're more on your own. Uh, in the quiet confines of your judicial chambers, mm. or in many cases in my house or wherever I find myself right. with a computer, right. reviewing the record in trials around mm-hmm. the state and doing the research that needs to be done and mm-hmm. reaching decisions on appeal. So mm-hmm. my day-to-day is not blocked out like it used to be. I have right. more flexibility on the Court of Appeals. We still have a lot That's of work nice. to get done, but right. we can get it done at our own pace when we need to you know, as long as we get it done by the deadlines that right. we have, that we operate right. under, uh, nobody really cares whether I'm doing it in Atlanta or I'm doing mm-hmm. it out of my kitchen uh, <laughs> or my living room. So so some days I'll find myself in Atlanta in my chambers with mm-hmm. my staff. I'm fortunate enough to have three attorneys that work for me and a okay. judicial assistant up there. Mm-hmm. And I may be up there talking with them about our cases and I may be up there talking with the other judges, debating mm-hmm. who should prevail in a certain case. Right. I might be up there having hearings where lawyers are coming from around the state to argue their case. Mm-hmm. Or I may be back in my house in Columbus uh, thinking about the case and right. writing a decision or editing whatever my staff attorneys have come up with as their right. recommendation for mm-hmm. a case. So it, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot more flexibility in my mm-hmm. life now. Mm-hmm. There's still the same amount of work. It just gets right. done in a different way. Yeah, that's a good way to say it, for sure. Now, did you always want to be a judge? Did you always want to be on the bench? No, I really didn't, and I didn't always <laughs> want to be a lawyer. I, I wanted to play <laughs> baseball go. is what I really wanted to do, but around ninth or 10th grade, I realized that was probably going to end in 12th grade. So, <laughs> so I changed my focus, and then I decided I wanted to go to Athens, mm-hmm. and that was about the extent of my thinking of what I wanted to do. <laughs> So I went Probably to Probably not uncommon. I went to mm-hmm. Athens and enjoyed myself and had a good time mm-hmm. and just a great experience. And I still wasn't convinced of mm-hmm. what I wanted to do, but law mm-hmm. school seemed appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I signed up for law school and it really it was my first year of law school that I realized that yeah, I can see myself doing this mm-hmm. as a career. Mm-hmm. And being in the courtroom is really something that I at that point in time decided mm-hmm. was the path for me. Awesome. Awesome. So for all um, of those Brookstone students out there, if you ever listen to this podcast, <laughs> uh, this may or may not go against what your parents are telling you, but it's okay not to know. And it's okay mm-hmm. even through your college years to still be confused right. and not really sure of what you want to do. I right. didn't I didn't figure it out till mm-hmm. law school. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, I think it's rare is, is the, the child or the teenager that knows this is exactly what I want to do and this is the path to get there. Right. I think a lot more of us, myself included, are like, let me just figure this out right. as I go. So, I've always been amazed at mm-hmm. the college tours that mm-hmm. you take your kids on and they they always ask without fail, what's your major? What do you mm-hmm. want to do? And everybody in the pretty much everybody on the tour raises their hand. <laughs> they know their major, they know what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And then they're the land kids. <laughs> Who say I'm undecided? We'll find out. That's that's probably a lot of my influence on them. That you've got you've got time to figure it out. There you go. There you go. Well, so how do you think that Brookstone did prepare you for where you have landed? Pardon the pun. I think mm-hmm. it worked well. I think uh, Brookstone gave me the foundation that I needed to succeed in college. Really, mm-hmm. if I look back on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably beyond the relationships and the lifelong friends that I made. And the instruction I got from some really good faculty members. Mm-hmm. The number one thing I think I took away from Brookstone was I learned how to study. I learned mm-hmm. how to process information and to learn. And I learned how to work. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. those things are what equipped me for college. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't necessarily find college easy, but right. I felt like I was totally mm-hmm. equipped right. to do the work that was needed in college and to do right. it well. Right. And I think I got that from Brookstone. Mm-hmm. That's great. Well, you, you've just offered one piece of advice to our students, but if you could go tell our high school students right now something, um, wh- what would it be? Uh, I would say, you know, beyond the obvious of working hard, mm-hmm. being honest, and, you know, living a life of integrity, mm-hmm. be yourself. Don't mm-hmm. be afraid to try new things mm-hmm. and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is so common for young people to be intimidated by folks that are older than them, even folks that are a few years older than them. But particularly as they look at adults, old folks like me, (laughs) they get intimidated by, well, can I really be a lawyer? Can I really be a doctor? Mm -hmm. Can I really be an engineer? Can I really be whatever, you know, a school Mm -hmm. teacher? Mm -hmm. And I think they just need to learn that, yeah, they can do all of that if they want to do it. And if they will believe in themselves and take it a day at a time, they can mm-hmm. achieve their dreams. Mm-hmm. That's I, so true. I think that's the best advice I could give a young person. So true. 
Well, we talk a lot about honor here. You know, it's one of our core values. We have seven core values that have withstood the test of time. And we started with three originally as a school, as an institution, and then others have been added through the years, honor being one of them. So how do you see that not only play out in your day to day, but how important is it for our students to understand that concept? I think it's vital. I think mm-hmm. it's absolute. I mean, I don't think it's optional. <laughs> I think to succeed, to really succeed in the world that we live in today, mm-hmm. honor is an absolute necessity. It's not optional. It's not something that, well, let me see what I can get away with and maybe I can win something today in a way that's not quite honorable because mm-hmm. that will always catch up with you. Mm-hmm. It's not the right thing to do, but it will always catch up with folks, and I see it all the time. Obviously, right. in my chosen career path, mm-hmm. I see folks that have made plenty of mistakes right. and have not always lived in an honorable way. And our job in the ju- judicial system or the legal system in general is to deal with those mistakes, try to rectify those mistakes, try mm-hmm. to help people get back on the right path even folks that have done some pretty terrible things, the right. goal ultimately is to rehabilitate them and get them to be productive, honorable members of society. It doesn't always work. Right. Um, but I think young people need to understand that without honor, they're never going to really succeed in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be somebody that people can count on. You have mm-hmm. to be somebody that people can rely on. You don't mm-hmm. have to be the smartest guy or girl in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh You don't have to be the best person around. You don't have to be the best at whatever it is you're studying or you're doing. Mm -hmm. But if you are somebody that people can rely on and they can count on your word and count on you to do what you say you're going to do, you're going to be a success in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And people are going to want to associate with you. Mm -hmm. People are going to want to hire you. Businesses are going to want to hire you. Yes. And they're looking for people who fit that mold. Mm -hmm. And I've never run a large business. I did operate a law firm for 25 years, mm-hmm. and what I always came away from any job interviews thinking about uh, or any job search where we were hiring folks mm-hmm. is this person, does this person have a work ethic and are they honest? Right. And if they are, I can forgive some holes in their resume, mm-hmm. some lack of experience they may have, mm-hmm. because people can be trained to do certain tasks right. and I don't care how much education you have, you can be trained to learn how to do different things, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to make up for a lack of work ethic or a lack of honor. And so I think it's just absolutely vital. That's so true. That's so true. And I think that's something we're trying really hard to instill in our students here so that when they do go off, that exactly those employers and those future uh, people that they will be working for and working with will be able to count on them and trust them. And, um, you know, so I think that's a powerful thing. Um, I've, I've heard it said, and I don't know who who originally came up with this statement. I'm sure it's been plagiarized many times through the years. I've actually used it in a speech once, but the best way I ever heard it communicated was by uh, a gentleman who I'm fortunate enough to have called a colleague of mine. Herbert mm-hmm. Phipps was a longtime civil rights lawyer and a civil rights hero down in Albany. Mm-hmm. He was a judge in Albany, and then he's later served a long time on the Georgia Court of Appeals, and I was fortunate enough to get to serve with him for about a year before he is, uh, he's no longer serving. He was a senior judge, and his services came to an end as a senior judge. But this guy led a remarkable life. I mean, he was part of the civil rights movement 
in the 60s. He actually served time in jail next to Martin Luther King. Wow. And uh, was well acquainted with Dr. King mm-hmm. and all That's of the awesome. folks that were heroes of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. And I heard him give a speech one time, mm-hmm. and it was to younger lawyers. But his closing comment is you need to have the courage to do the right thing mm-hmm. when the whole world is watching. And you need to have the integrity to do the right thing when no one is watching. Mm-hmm. And I think that sums up, to me, that sums up what a life of honor means. Wow, yes. Because whether you're a lawyer or a non-lawyer, it doesn't matter. Uh, If you're the type of person who does the right thing, regardless of whether you're in a room by yourself and nobody knows Mm -hmm. if you don't do it, or if you're in the public eye and the whole world is watching you, if you do the right thing, that's really what matters. Mm-hmm. And that's the message mm-hmm. that I think he was trying to communicate. And that's to me, is what honor means. Wow. I, I mean, that is just perfectly said. Perfectly said. Um, all right. So, thinking back on your time here at Brookstone, what are some of your favorite Brookstone memories or classes or teachers or anything that comes to mind? So, there's a lot. I was, uh, I played sports here. I played through middle school anyway. I played football, basketball, and baseball. I guess mm-hmm. baseball back in those days was in the community leagues, the little leagues in the right. Babe Ruth. Yeah. Then in high school, I played basketball and baseball. So I learned mm-hmm. a lot of good lessons on mm-hmm. the fields and the courts here at Brookstone yeah. and in visiting other schools as well. Mm-hmm. But I was fortunate enough to have people like Joe Sparks, yeah. uh, Speedy Gilstrap, mm-hmm. later Jay Sparks yeah. was my coach my senior year of baseball, oh. uh, Clyde Etheridge in middle school. I had, oh, yeah. I had some really fantastic role models that were outstanding coaches and sometimes teachers in their own right as well mm-hmm. who just taught us as kids. We didn't know they were teaching us, but they right. taught us by example. <laughs> Right. And they taught us to compete. They mm-hmm. taught us we could be the best we could be if we just gave it the effort that was needed. Mm-hmm. Even though we were often overmatched in <laughs> basketball, particularly in high school, <laughs> I still vividly remember Joe Sparks telling us before the game and at halftime of games that, guys, these boys put their pants on one leg at a time just like right. you. Yes. And he, and he basically just instilled that view in us that, you know, they may be bigger, they may be stronger, they may run faster, jump higher, but they're guys just like us. Right. And we thought right. we could win, and sometimes <laughs> we did. And so those were just lessons that were invaluable uh, for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as teachers go, uh, I'm eternally indebted to uh, Mrs. Smithson, who is now yes. Mrs. Passaleg. Yes. Who was my first grade teacher. She was my first grade teacher. That's <laughs> and so funny. I, and I have a very fond spot in my heart for her because yes. I came here in first grade mm-hmm. and she taught me how to read. Aww. And I still just vividly remember showing up, not knowing anything, not knowing how to re- read. Some of my mm-hmm. classmates who had been here in kindergarten had a head start. Mm-hmm. And I just vividly remember that. Aww. And I have been fortunate enough to be able to tell her that recently, oh, not too long ago. That's awesome. Uh, but then ki- continuing awesome. on, I mean, there were good teachers throughout. Uh, mm-hmm. The ones that particularly had an impact on me, uh, Ron Burkhart, mm-hmm. uh, who kind of triggered an interest in our government and in law mm-hmm. for me. I thought yeah. he was an outstanding teacher, yeah. uh, and I just thought he 
lit a spark, I think, probably in me that stayed alive until I went to law school. And yeah, then yeah. ultimately I decided to pursue that as a career. But I thought he was a great teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had others like Howard Mandel and yeah. Dave Youngblood. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I'll save the best for last, Sam Pate. Yes. And Nan as well. Yes. <laughs> whenever I say Sam, uh, Sam and Nan go together, but they were both great, great teachers. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've stayed in touch with Nan uh, as recently as a few weeks ago. She's she's great. She's wonderful. But you cannot beat Sam Pate. And I'm sure you can interview every (laughs) Brookstone graduate that comes through here, and almost everybody's Mm going to tell you a Sam Pate story, and almost everybody's going to put him at the top of the list. and as you well know, he taught biology and zoology and ornithology, mm-hmm. and I'm probably missing one, astronomy, <laughs> I think, in an unconventional way. Mm-hmm. But he taught it in a way that piqued the interest of teenagers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he realized, I never talked to him about why he did what he did or how mm-hmm. he came up with his method of instruction. Right. But I really think looking back on it, he realized that not all of us we're going to go to medical school and mm-hmm. be physicians. Mm-hmm. Not all of us were going to be scientists. In mm-hmm. fact, the vast majority were not. Right, right. And he wanted to teach something that was interesting. He wanted mm-hmm. us to have an interest in nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted us to be able to identify birds yes. and appreciate God's creation. And, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know what he was doing at the time. I just knew right. it was fun. <laughs> and I knew it was more fun than any other class I went to, so I wanted to go. <laughs> and. That's just a remarkable gift as a teacher, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wholeheartedly agree. Those are some of my most favorite memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have, um, for the first time this year, um, our new ornithology teacher is um, a former student of okay. Mr. Pate's. Okay, And Excellent. so it's really fun for him to be able to, to carry on this legacy. Yeah, that's like fantastic. That. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. So we're real excited. But he was a special guy yeah. for sure. He so, was. Mm-hmm. You just can't beat going outside on the old soccer field and looking for birds. And, <laughs> I know. Or piling in a van with right. him and going down to the wildlife refuge yeah. and seeing what you see. Exactly. And getting teenagers who want to do that. Right, And want exactly. to hang out with the teacher. Right. I know. So. And and see birds today that you remember the genus species uh, because of Mr. Pate, you right. know? It's right. really it's really fun. And I actually had a chance to see him. He was in hospice before mm-hmm. he died. Mm-hmm. And I went to see him. Uh, because I did care about him so much, but mm-hmm. also went to mm-hmm. see him with a question because I had been told by neighbors in North Columbus, out where I live near the Harris County line, that they mm-hmm. had seen for years a cougar in the area. Oh, I've heard and, rumors. And I couldn't believe it. I, I just didn't believe it was true. I didn't know if it was true. So mm-hmm. I, here I was sitting at Sam Pate's bedside in hospice <laughs> probably a week or two before he passed away. And I asked him, I said, do you think there's any cougars around here? Mm -hmm. And he looked at me and he perked up and he said, think. He said, I know there are. (laughs) He said, they're at the refuge and I've got a colleague of his from, I think, one of the colleges Mm -hmm. who's confirmed their sighting up in Troop County. He said, so if they're at the refuge and they're in Troop County, good chance they're passing through your property. How about that? So that's an interesting little tidbit. Mm -hmm. But that's just, that's the impact he had, I think, on a lot of his right. students to right. hear this guy in his mid-50s goes to hospice to hang out yeah. with him before he passes, and we're yeah. talking about cougars. Yeah, <laughs> I love so, it. Yeah. I love it. He was well-loved yeah. by so many people. So. Great guy. Great guy, for sure. 
Um, okay, so shifting gears a little bit. I know you've already imparted so much wisdom. It's hard for me to believe I'm even going to ask a question for you to give us more. But what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given or something that just had an impact on you? And you've already said some, so. Well, probably the best advice I ever got was from my mother who said, mm-hmm. live by the golden rule. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and she was go. a very, uh, she was a very wise and sweet woman. She's no mm-hmm. longer with us, but mm-hmm. You know, her advice was plain spoken and simple, mm-hmm. and it was all about treating people well mm-hmm. and never mistreating anybody. Mm. And if you just want the best advice of how to live your life, it really comes down to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from my dad, I think the advice is finish what you start mm-hmm. and yeah. and work hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a workaholic if there ever was one, which is not necessarily what I'm advocating or striving to be myself. But mm-hmm. but as far as his advice to his children, really by example more than anything else, is finish what you start. Mm-hmm. And no matter what your job is, whether you're digging ditches or practicing law or judging cases at the Court of Appeals, do it well, do it yeah. to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And I think those lessons have, have stuck with me for many, mm-hmm. many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as the practice of law is concerned and really how to conduct yourself as a professional, it doesn't get any better than what I attribute to Herb Phipps on the Court of Appeals yeah. of doing the right thing uh, no matter what. Have right. the courage to do it when everybody's looking, even if yeah. it's hard, even if it's unpopular, but do the right thing. Yeah. And when nobody's watching, even if you think you can get away with something, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. resist the temptation and instead leave a life, lead a life of integrity and honor. I think that's so powerful. I think that's the most important, mm-hmm. some yeah. of the most important lessons for mm-hmm. anybody. They will serve you well, for sure, right. adhering Ab- to those. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what about books? I'm always asking people about books. I love to read and I want to hear from you. What are- so... Well, like you can't ask me about a book without me saying the Bible, so I'll, right. I'll throw that out there. There you go, yes. And, uh, you know, I was raised in the church and have a strong faith, but I've never sat down, I admit it, I've never sat down and tried to read the Bible. Well, I have tried. I've never made it through cover to cover mm-hmm. until this year. I started uh-huh. in January, and I'm on one of these 365-day plans. Yes, and so here I am, seventy-five percent of the way through. That's it. awesome, and it, and I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But outside of that, in a more secular context, uh, it would be a book that I read here at Brookstone. I think in Mr. Burkhart's class, and uh-huh. you probably know where I'm going. But Harper Lee's *To Kill a Mockingbird*. Yeah. Yep. One of the most remarkable pieces of fiction I think ever, okay. and one that had an impact on me as well as millions of others. Mm-hmm. Lawyers and non-lawyers alike, but <laughs> especially for lawyers, it's a, just an incredible mm-hmm. tale that has lots of wisdom in it. Yes. Uh, a book about courage, mm-hmm. a book about morality, a book mm-hmm. about humanity and treating people mm-hmm. well, no matter mm-hmm. who they are, no matter how popular or unpopular the cause. Right. Right. Uh, Atticus Finch is just the gold standard for lawyers. Right. Yeah. And for people. Right, exactly. It's not for just both. a lawyer tale, but right, it's, it's right. a lesson about how to live your life. It's a lesson about how to treat people. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a lesson about having the courage to do the right thing when the whole world is watching. Right. Even when it's unpopular. So even so when the true. whole town's against you. Mm-hmm. So I'd say without a doubt that's a book that just has stuck it's with stuck me with for you. many, many years. Mm-hmm. 
I agree. That's one that you really can't forget. Right. Um, in all the good ways. Right. So. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for being here. Um, this was just really, really good. And I can't wait to share this with our listeners and with our students um, to just take in everything you've shared with us. Well, so, thank you for having me. Yes. I've enjoyed it. Well, we, thank you for we, what you do for well, Brookstone. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we'll have you back another day. All right. So, all right. To. Thank you. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Judge Land. His passion for living a life of integrity is an inspiration to us all. We're so grateful he took the time to talk with us today. He is certainly worthy of being one of our distinguished alumni. If you are interested in joining us at the Distinguished Alumni Dinner on Thursday, October 26th, reach out to Meg Stewart, our Director of Alumni Relations, for more information. And to learn more about how your child can become a part of the Brookstone family, reach out to Ann Parker, our Director of Enrollment. Their contact information is in the show notes. I'm Avery Wolf. Thank you so much for listening today. We're grateful for you and for your support of this podcast. And to all the Brookstone Cougars out there, always remember to be the one.